I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Liam Cooper groin injury of the podcast. Oh no. And I'm joined by the Diego Urente groin injury of the podcast, Tom Alderson. Oh no. And finally, the presumable Robin Koch groin injury of the podcast. Please know, it's Joe Hill. Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Uh, I'm glad to be footing the bill in the Darren Driver spot. <laughs> um, I'm hoping to make it my own this week and uh, yeah, Im- imp- impose my personality on the Darren Driver spot, so <laughs> hopefully I can do it justice. You're just happy to get the three points, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the points no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tom Alderson, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm just looking forward to getting back to some proper football instead of this international rubbish. I know, I know Joe loves it, but I just... <laughs> I would just want to get these two weeks done as quickly as possible. Yeah, you've got a bit of a beef with Gary Neville at the moment, I believe. I, at every opportunity, I have a beef with Gary Neville, to be honest. <laughs> he just doesn't know about it. So I was, as we were saying before we came on, I was watching the Scotland game as a, as a firm Scotland supporter. Uh, but I did notice the timeline erupting on Twitter when Gary Neville claimed that uh, Calvin Phillips trajectory of success actually has more to do with Gareth Southgate than it does for Marcelo Bielsa but this this got slightly tipsy Tom quite angry didn't it (laughs) I just can't believe that anyone would think that a player would learn more from Gareth Southgate than Marcelo Bielsa (laughs) it's ludicrous (laughs) it's like Gary never watched that England game watched how rubbish they were and still went oh yeah Phillips probably learned a lot from that (laughs) and I just don't I couldn't understand it at all yeah, let's hope that he hasn't learned anything from that. I think that will be the takeaway from from. He also probably had him at four parts last night, t- unteaching him everything that he's learned in the last ten days. <laughs> Joe, you're a, you're a firm advocate of international football. Can you can you try and pull this one back for us? Is there anything good from from the this international break that we should be thinking about? I was I was thinking about how I can justify it because uh, I seem to be the only one uh, part of all stats, aren't we? That actually quite enjoys international <laughs> football. Um, but the the positive that I'm gonna that I'm gonna tell you guys is that um, Alioski scored a penalty, Click got a fantastic assist for Lewandowski, 
And Phillips, I thought, actually played okay. Like he he held his own in the England team, and he's looking like a good a good part of it, even if the rest of the team is falling to bits. So <laughs> I think from a Leeds United point of view, there is still uh, things to be happy with. I think I saw the Alioski penalty described as calm, which I think is the only time anyone's ever <laughs> described Alioski as calm ever. <laughs> it's not a bad penalty taker, to be fair, Alioski, yeah. is he? Yeah. Um, Maybe because I, I suspect even he doesn't know what he's about to do before he <laughs> runs up, so it probably helps. Um, to bring us back to earth with a bump, um, there, are, there are some negatives from the international break, namely in the form of those two injuries that I mentioned in the in the run-up. Liam Cooper and Diego Urente having, from what I can tell, carbon copy injuries. Um, how are we feeling about that as we go into into the Wolves game? It's, it's worrying, but at least we've got a spare centre-back for a change. So we've got... Mm. We actually we're not playing like Ailing and Phillips there. Um, it doesn't sound like they're going to be out for too long, does it? Is it two two games for Cooper, three for Lorente? I think they said at least two games for Cooper. So I don't know how you'd read that, but yeah, yeah. we'll we'll see how that happens. But the, I guess the worrying thing with Cooper is that he's just so injury prone at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah. And as Tom Woodhead pointed out. Actually, I don't think it was Tom Woodhead, but someone someone I was chatting to pointed out that everyone was saying, you know, it's good that we've got an extra centre-back, but he was like, well, it's not really any different because the, the, the backups got injured as well. So we're basically in exactly the same position, but no doubt everything will be fine. The other thing from the international break that we should probably talk about is coronavirus. Um, a couple of news stories here. Football Insider, so take it with a pinch of salt, reckon that um, there was there was a model at Motherwell Starlet, as they've called him. I'm not entirely sure what a Motherwell Starlet is, but a guy called Sam Campbell um, was was forced to postpone a trial because of uh, COVID-19 tests. So the worrying thing there, I suppose, is that there is um, coronavirus around Thorbarch. Um, in the wider picture, Portugal obviously announced that Ronaldo had a positive coronavirus test um, and half of Wolves play for Portugal at the moment or half of Portugal play for Wolves I don't know how I don't know which way around the causality goes um, also uh, Matteo Guendouzi was um, announced uh, to have passed a positive test passed a positive test I'm not sure how you're supposed to say that but um, he has coronavirus and he was playing I think for the under 21s of France and Another person who plays for the under-21s of France is Ilan Melier. So how are we feeling about um, the potential uh, lineup for for Monday, given that you know anything could happen? We don't know who's in, who's out, or, or what's going on. I think if there's a lot of... Well, if it does spread to the Wolves team, then they've probably all got it, in which case the match is probably called off. I don't know what the protocol is on how many positive tests or anything, because it hasn't really happened yet, has it? Um I don't think there is a protocol, is there? That's part of the problem. No, they're just making it up as they go along. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so I believe that that both teams will have a test on Friday night um, to determine who is and isn't positive. So we'll have a much better sense then. Um, but it does feel as though it's inevitable that at some point we are going to lose some games to coronavirus um, this season. Uh, Tom, does that mean that international football is to blame? Is, is that a good reason why we shouldn't watch international football? It does just seem a bit dumb that in the middle of a pandemic we're sending all these players. So like we kind of you have the bubble and then you just send everyone out all over Europe to like mix with other players and then come back. It just like even if the football is rubbish, like it just seems like a dumb idea anyway. You're really getting hammered here, Joe. Come on, pull us back. <laughs> I know. What can you what can you do to say to save this? I mean, I do have to agree that uh, yesterday it was it was pretty annoying watching England and uh, all they would talk about is how New Zealand have pulled out of this friendly fixture in the next break. Um, and it, but 
don't worry, England are reassuring everyone, we will find another opponent. And I think 99% of people, even people that like watching England, are just saying, don't bother, just you know, keep it as the two Nations League games at, at a maximum um, and don't bother with this friendly because... Yeah, it's it's already it's already sort of seeping in. Although I, I think I did read that the rest of the Portuguese team tested negative. I think they did another one after Ronaldo tested positive, right. and uh, so I think they I played guess... last night as well. So yeah, they so yeah, they they must be they must be able to field enough players. So fingers crossed that um, the Wolves game still goes ahead. Hmm. The other thing we should talk about before we jump into the Wolves game on Monday, or not Wolves game on Monday, whatever transpires. Uh, just obviously the, a couple of days now before the domestic window closes. I think it might be tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? or What day are we on? I don't even know what day we're on. Is it Thursday? Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, Thursday, I think it yeah. ends on Friday. Um, do you think we're done? There's been rumours about um, Cantwell from Norwich, uh, Buendia from Norwich, Libby Sibley from Derby. Joe, do you feel as though we're, we're done now when it comes to bringing people in? It certainly looks like it when uh, when you read things like Cantwell being valued at 25 million, um, which I did read, and obviously, who knows if that's a rumor or if that's true, but that's just insane. Like, we Leeds should never spend that much money on Cantwell. Um, as, mm. as talented as he might be, that's just ludicrous money, and it just it would just strike a bit of last minute desperation, I think, if we paid that on, on deadline day. I think Norwich have, mm. have given him that price tag because they know that it is deadline day. and I don't think Leeds should fall into that trap. The only potential, I think, for Leeds that we might see then is outgoings. Uh, there's been a few um, touted loan moves, notably Robbie Gotts to Lincoln. Um, how do we feel about Robbie Gotts leaving, Tom? I think he, he did need to play because um, we've we've only really seen him in the Arsenal game in the FA Cup, and he looked all right. But you just, I think, at this point, he just needs regular playing time. Um, to improve. The thing with the the players going out on loan is I, I don't know if it's just Leeds fans have overrated the ability of like Gotts and Stevens because I would have thought from what I've heard about them that they'd be going on loan to championship clubs more than League One clubs. I thought they would have been at a higher level. Mm. Um, so if, if he's going on loan to a League One club, has he actually got, is he going to develop enough that he will eventually be a Premier League standard? I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a move to like up his value and then sell him to a championship club next year it's a tough one isn't it we had a conversation i think in the in the group chat yesterday about this one is it is it better to just hook robbie gotts and just say take five hundred thousand now and 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 accept that that's that's that um i don't know where i would put him in the um in the pecking order but it's the problem is is that i mean we're short in that position anyway in central midfield and i feel like if they really wanted anyone they would bring someone in i mean we, we saw Mikhail Cuisance was was supposedly going to be there, and then you would have presumably someone like Adam Forshaw there ahead of him, and Jamie Shackleton then ahead of Gotts. So you're talking already like fourth choice for for a position where actually amongst the first team you could spread around personnel as well. Like Click could play there. We know that Roberts and Rodrigo have been playing in that in those eight positions as well. So you could. You, it, it's not looking like Gotts is going to get any sort of real game time there. Um, and then the question is whether or not Premier League Two is considered a good enough uh, level for for him to develop at. But yeah, between that and Lincoln, like it's hard to see where this sort of huge gain in in value is going to come from. If we're keeping him on in the hope that he becomes big enough for us to make some kind of profit from him, I don't see where that's going to come from. Um, one final question, Joe: Would, Is there anyone else you don't want to see going out on loan? Is there anyone that that you think should should be given the chance to go elsewhere, or are you just happy for it to to stay as things are? 
One player I did want to mention is Barry Douglas because we've not really mentioned him and obviously there's been talk of him going to Blackburn, I think it was. Um, And personally, I I do quite like Barry Douglas. I think I have this soft spot for him because he's got promoted um, with two clubs who basically haven't wanted him in the Premier League and I think I almost feel a bit sorry for him because I think he has got some talent I think he's he's good at set pieces and dead ball situations but for some reason he just can't fit into the squad so I think with a heavy heart I I would I wouldn't mind seeing Douglas leave if we if we got a a decent enough fee for him Yeah, that's a, that is an interesting one, and there's certainly an area that we do need to sort out. I suspect that will be the project for next summer. I've just seen Phil Hayes just tweeted Robbie Gotts loan to Lincoln City just about sorted. Medical and formalities today. Barry Douglas future being decided. Watford and Blackburn still keen, so both right. of those are still still ongoing. Right, let's talk about Wolves. Um, we could talk about the transfer window all day long, and um, I've frankly had enough of talking about the transfer window to last me till at least January um, when this whole rigmarole will start all over again. This week I was lucky enough to talk to Dave Azapardi who's the Wolves researcher for Football Manager and the founder of Talking Wolves and this is what he had to say about Wolves. So Dave hi how are you doing? Yeah I'm good thanks are you? Yeah I'm not so bad have you been enjoying the break that international football gives us or are you uh, one of these people that can't can't wait to get back into the uh, domestic scene? I don't normally, uh, I'm normally not a huge fan of international football, but obviously this week we had Connor Cody mm. score a goal for England, which is obviously huge for Wolves. I think he's the first player to do it since Steve Ball, which was a long time ago. So for <laughs> Wolves fans, it's been it's been pretty good this week, to be fair. So let's talk a little bit about, about Wolves. You're going into your third season in the Premier League this time around. Yeah. If Wolves are suffering from third season syndrome, what does it look like? Um, I think a bad season for Wolves would be to not finish in the top half. Um, The last two years, obviously, we finished seventh. um, And I I think a lot of fans want us to see us get back into Europe again this season. I think that's what the board would want as well. Um, But it has been a bit of a shaky start. I think with a lot of teams, we've seen some strange results, seen a lot of goals so far. And I think that's mainly due to, obviously, the lack of pre-season that every Mm. team has had, really. Uh, There's Mm. been not, not much preparation um, so it will be interesting, but yeah, for Wolves, I, I can't see us being one of those teams that are going to be in a scrap or anything like that. Or, or, mm. or but I think a bad season for Wolves would be to finish in the bottom half. Uh, we just need a bit of consistency, start scoring more goals, getting more wins. Uh, it's going to be tricky this season to get top six, top seven. Uh, but as I say, ultimately, I think that's what the club do want this season. You've already mentioned there's been a bit up and down so far. Um, yeah. It's obviously only four games, but two wins against Sheffield United and Fulham, both of whom are struggling. I don't think either of them have won yeah. a point yet. Um, and then the the losses to Man City, which I guess is given, but then the outlier is the is the West Ham loss. Um, how do you feel about the start to the season? Yeah, like I say, I think uh, I wasn't too sure what to uh, expect this season. Obviously, with the the lack of pre season and. and with our pre-season, because there was an international break right in the middle of it, mm. you know, most of our players, probably three quarters of our first team squad, wasn't weren't actually there for the majority of the pre-season. So when we went into that game against Sheffield United and won and scored two early goals, I was really pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be a, a tricky game. Like you say, the City game was expected, um, but the West Ham game was probably one of the worst performances we've had under Nuno. So that was a little bit of a shock, to be fair. Um, but we bounced back against Fulham. It wasn't a hugely convincing performance, but I think those sort of games, 
even if you don't play great, but you can still get the three points are crucial, especially for Wolves going into the international break. I think if we went into that game with a run of three games without a win, I think, you know, it could have had a lasting effect. So I wasn't too concerned about that performance. I just wanted Wolves to get three points. And to have six points out of our first four games, Wolves performed really, really poorly at the start of last season. And I think we're in a better place points-wise already than we were this time last season. So I think if we can come out the international break, scoring a few more goals, getting a couple more wins, I think we should be fine. We should be in a better place. Yeah, you've already mentioned there's been two seventh place finishes in two Premier League seasons for Wolves. Um, seventh place on the cards again? Do you think? And you've you've mentioned that you know top half has to be the the priority. Yeah, uh, but seventh, do you reckon that's doable? I think it's doable, but it is going to be tricky. I think it'll be probably be if we get it this season. I think it'll be one of the biggest achievements that we've had over the last two years. Um, we saw last season that there were some top teams that were pretty poor last year and. We should have had sixth place. We threw that away, to be honest, on the last few games last season. Um, as I say, I think seventh is doable, but it's going to be the toughest season yet. I think a lot of the teams are going to start um, being a little bit more consistent. Some of the t- big teams, that is. Um, but then you've got other teams coming into the frame already. You, we've got leads that you know could possibly start rivaling other teams. You've got even as crazy as Villa have had a good start. You know, there's so many teams that. You know, you just don't know what to expect, expect this season. Everton as well, of course. So it'll be, it will be a tricky campaign. It's still on the cards. It's still doable, but we really need Wolves to to just cut out the mistakes and start being more consistent and, and winning games that they should be winning. You've already mentioned uh, Leeds, Leeds going up this season and, and a lot of people seem to think there is uh, sort of Wolves energy about Leeds this time around. Yeah. Would, you, would you agree with that? Are there similarities to Wolves' first season back in the Premier League and Leeds' first season? I think so, yeah. Obviously, you guys, it's been a long time coming and I think, you know, Bielsa that first season would have been disappointed that he couldn't achieve promotion. Um, But you guys, you know, you've got that momentum from last year. You've taken it up to the Premier League in the first few games as well. You've shocked, you know, and and given good games to the best teams in, in the country as well. So, that, that's what Wolves are like that first year. You know, we, we stopped the big teams from gaining three points. We made it really difficult for them. I think Leeds were really unlucky that opening game against Liverpool, um, you know, and still scoring, what, three goals, was it, against mm. them? So, you know, there's there is similarities for sure. You know, they've got that momentum. They've got some quality. They've brought in some great players as well. But still, Bielsa's kept that mix of some of the players that got you up last season. So mm. I think it's a really good balance, good mix of the squad. And it, it could be a successful season for Leeds. So this is the third season uh, this time around for you in the Premier League. How do you think Wolves have developed during their time during the Premier League this time? In terms of sort of, I know we're going to talk about possibly style and, and play later on, but in terms of tactically, you know, we've stuck with the same sort of mentality, the same sort of shape and so on. Um, I think that the players have matured. You know, we, we got promoted with a lot of younger players like your Ruben Neves type players and, and, and so on as well. And and players like Connor Cody and even Ryan Bennett at the time, you know, when we came up, there were so many players that were good for Wolves. And I, I think it'll be probably similar for Leeds. There's probably players in the squad that got you up. You think, yeah, they did a great job in the Championship, but are they going to make the st- step up to the Premier League? And you probably, as fans, say for argument's sake, Patrick Bamford, I'm sure a lot of your fans were possibly expecting for him to be replaced in the summer. Um, but he's come in, he started the season, actually got a few goals. And I think the Wolves fans were very similar with the likes of Connor Cody, Ryan Bennett. And for the first season, at least, with Bennett, they were fantastic and they did their job. 
And I just think Wolves, in terms of development, the squad has developed at such a quick rate. But some of these players that I think fans weren't expecting to to keep up with that have done. Uh, like Connor Cody is probably the, the best example of that, really. Um, but the squad matured. The squad have, have learned how to play games out sometimes. We're not perfect. You know, we, we can't see, you know, we don't see out wins every week. Um, but I think we've learned how to deal with teams and so on. And I think... Just like, you know, watching the Tottenham Hotspur uh, documentary, there was a game that Wolves played against them and Wolves just outfought them, really. Uh, and we ended up winning that game and Mourinho just credited Wolves for that. And I think that just says it all. You know, we've, we've developed to the Premier League. We know how to see off games, and especially against the big teams. That I think Wolves, outside the top six, is probably one of the only games the big six really don't like to play. Let's talk about the tactics then. You've said that tactically Nuno is still using very similar principles yeah. that he used when you first arrived. What are those basic principles behind his team, would you say? So he always plays like a, a back three or back five, so three centre-backs and two wing-backs. Um, tends to play, you know, two central midfielders or three central midfielders um, and then obviously two wingers and a striker or, or two strikers. Um, he likes... Uh, Defense, I think defensively, you know, I think he, his mentality is probably make sure they don't score rather than let's score more than them. I think we always like to be defensively sound. You've got the the back three, which tend to be very, very disciplined, if I'm honest. You very rarely see them sort of break out of that back three. Wing backs, you know, they like to bump up and down the wing. And I think that's why, obviously, the likes of Matt Doty over the last couple of years, you know, he got forward, got himself in the right areas and scored a lot of goals and got a lot of assists. Obviously, we've re- replaced him this season with Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. We had Johnny Otto on the opposite side, who was probably the more defensive of the two wing backs, but still going forward, did a stellar job. And it's it's almost as if every time you're defending, you've got a back five, but every time you're going forward, you've got a front five because you've got your, your three up front, which are your two wingers and your striker and your two wing backs as well. So... I think in phases it is quite difficult to either attack or defend against, really. So, um, as you you've seen, Raúl Jiménez has been the main man over the last two and a bit seasons. You know him just at the heart, at the top of the pitch, the heart of the team, and the way he just brings other players into play. If if he had a little bit more pace, I think you know he would just be so difficult to, to defend against more than he is already. So, uh, you know the the basic ideas are you know try and keep the ball. A lot of last season was very counter-attack in the last two years, but I know Nuno wants to change the system now and try and keep the ball more and attack a, a little bit more. There have been some teething problems with that in the first few games, as we spoke about earlier, but it will be interesting to see how Wolves can transform from this tr- tr- uh, counter-attacking team over the last two years to a team that likes to hold the ball and starts putting teams to the sword and scoring more goals. What about the new players that you brought in? Are you happy with the way that they're fitting into the system? Yeah, the, I mean, there's two or three. You know, we lost Jota, we lost Doherty, probably the two biggest uh, sales. But and Nelson Tomato's come in. He's only had a couple of games and he, he's looked okay, to be fair. And I think uh, with time, uh, with him settling in, I think he'll be a player that can, you know, be a really good option on the right-hand side. A lot of the others, to be fair, haven't had a huge amount of game time. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Obviously, we spent a lot of money on Fabio Silva from Porto. Um but yeah, we, we sign a, a lot of younger players and it will be interesting to see how they develop. And I think a lot of them will get game time this season um, with rotation and so on. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. You mentioned before that Wolves play variously in a 3-4-3 formation or a 3-5-2. What is it that determines which one of these formations you play in? 
It depends, really. I think last season you just you never really knew which one we were going to go with. I think all the games that you always knew it was going to be a bit of a battle, uh, like against the teams, the, the the bigger teams in the league. We'd go with a three-five-two just to pack out the midfield a little bit. Um, but this season we played three-four-three in every game, uh, even against Manchester City. Um, like I say, I think Nuno wants to change his style from counter-attacking almost to sort of possession-based. And you'd probably think a 3-5-2 would work with that a little bit better because you've got an extra body in midfield. But he has stuck with a 3-4-3 and I think that's just to have an extra man going forward. Mm. Some games it's worked, some games it hasn't as, as we've seen so far. But um, yeah, at the moment, for the time being, it's a 3-4-3. But I think both formations blow hot and cold when one isn't quite working. I think he's always got the other one to fall back on. I think in terms of if we went into a game at the weekend and all the fans wanted to draw nil-nil, you would go with a 3-5-2. But for something, if you want to go and win a game, it would be a 3-4-3 formation. The fans aren't huge supporters of the 3-5-2 because it is quite, unfortunately quite a boring tactic, but it will Mm. get us results if we really want it. But yeah, in terms of attacking and actually trying to score goals, 3-4-3 is the way we've been going. And I think that's the sort of formation that Nuno will start with against Leeds. So... When it comes to the personnel in these two different formations, you've, you mentioned obviously the three-four-three has a, has a basically two midfielders covering the whole of the of the central midfield area. Yeah, um, and then the the three-five-two has the three midfielders in. What what do the combination of midfielders look like in those two formations? Who does he usually go with uh, in the two and then the three? So the two. I'd say historically it would always be Neves and Matinho. Mm. Uh, but the first few games this season, that hasn't quite worked out. So he's uh, last game against Fulham, and, well, both wins actually. He started with Dendonka and Neves in the Fulham win and Matinho in the um, Sheffield United win. I think that, that that too works a little bit better because Dendonka's got a bit more of an engine on him, a little bit more height and strength. And obviously then you've got Matinho or Neves, who's a slightly more creative player. So... If it was a two, it'd be Neves or Matinho and Dendonka. If it was a three, all three of them tend to play in there. So you've got Dendonka, Neves and Matinho as well. So, hmm. um, yeah, all three of them get a rotation. They all get a game either way, to be fair. We have brought in a couple of other players like uh, Vitinha from Porto, who's like a number 10, um, which I think a lot of Wolves fans again want to play a 3-5-2, but instead of three central midfielders, almost change that into a mm-hmm. an, an attacking midfielder and two holding midfielders, mm-hmm. which we haven't quite mastered yet. So if we went with a 3-5-2, it would be, as I say, Dendon, Kinevers and Matinho. And then I guess the, the other person that we should talk about is uh, Adama Traore. Um, <laughs> yeah. He he variously gets played on the outside of the of the midfield four or or as a as a striker yeah. in a in the three five two. Uh, do you have a preference for which one of those positions he plays in, and how do you feel about him as an attacking threat this season? For me, I I do prefer him as a right winger. Uh, we've seen him at striker hasn't really worked. Seen him at right wing back hasn't really worked. Um, unfortunately, it's just he's just one of those players which. Physically and technically, he's very, very good. But mentally, he's just not quite there. It's almost as if he doesn't know where he is a lot of the time, especially when he's in the middle of the pitch. You know, you're relying on him either to hold up the ball and and whatnot or get him behind. And he just doesn't like doing that. He likes the ball at his feet and he likes running at players. And I think right wing is the best position for him to do that. The first two games where we didn't have a right wing back this season, he played right wing back and it was very painful to watch at times, especially against Manchester City in the first half. Uh, but yeah, I always prefer him as a, as a right winger. He came off the bench against Fulham 
Um, I don't mind that, you know, because we've got Neto and Pedence playing on the wings at the moment. I don't think either of them deserve to be dropped. Um, so Adama coming off the bench for any team in the world is is, is a scary prospect. And um, yeah, but for me as a fan, I do prefer watching him and I think he's more comfortable as a right winger. So in terms of how you think Wolves are going to set up against Leeds, which of those two formations do you think um, Nuno will go with? I, f- I think it will be the 3-4-3, like I said, um, I think, you know, that's the formation that we've gone with so far. I think in terms of lineup, uh, I think the back, well, it'll be interesting actually with lineup because he he rotated the defence quite a bit against Fulham and it tended to work uh, quite well. So it'll be interesting to, to see how he lines up. I think, you know, Patricio is a cert to start in goal. Uh, Raul Jimenez is a cert to start up front. It wouldn't surprise me to see Pudenza Neto start again. And then Adama coming off the bench. But Adama's had a couple of cameos for Spain and, and, and looked impressive. So who knows? Um, I think it'll be Dendonka and probably Neves in the middle again. But the wing-backs, I, I just don't know. I think Nelson Semedo will be a cert to start on the right. Uh, we did have a guy called Marcel coming from Lyon, mm. who, was, who played left wing-back and impressed in the first game. But he's been injured since. So it'll be interesting to see if he's back uh, because we played Romain Saiser last last time and he... Not a comfortable position for him, or he's not known to play there, but he did an all right job. Um, so it will be interesting. I think the only only positions really I can't predict is probably the, the back five at the moment. How has the international break treated you as a team? Is, is there anyone who's going to be missing on the back of the, the international break? In terms of injuries and stuff, I don't think so. Um, we, we had a lot of the squad missing, though. Like A lot of the squad were called up for their for their internationals. So we had England, Portugal, as you'd expect, uh, Spain, Portugal under 21s, Portugal under 20s, I think, <laughs> um, France under 21s as well. So we had quite a lot of players, Morocco, Mexico, a lot of players missing. But as far as I'm aware, there's no players uh, injured from that. Um, or, so, or Touchwood, not so far anyway. Uh, yeah. As I say, the only other player that is a doubt and we haven't really got much information on is Marcel, the Brazilian defender who I mentioned mm. uh, earlier on. Um, but I think if he, if he's fit, he'll, he will probably get the nod to start against Leeds. And the questions that I always ask people in this section is which player on your team do you think needs to perform well or which players need to perform well in order to beat Leeds? Raul Jimenez, I think if he's on his game, uh, yeah, you know, he... Or, you know, in front of goal, it's going to be very, very difficult for, for Leeds to stop him. There's some games where Raul is just unstoppable. He's on fire. I think Sheffield United, um, where we won the first game of the season, he just looked so sharp. And I was really, really impressed. A few of the other games, he looked a little bit tired, if I'm honest. So it'll be interesting. If he can turn up and get other players into play, I think it'll be crucial. If Adama Traore comes on and his head is screwed on, he's, as I said earlier, he's so difficult to defend against and he'll cause Leeds nightmares. So, if we can, if Adama starts, if Jimenez, which he will start, if both of them can have their heads screwed on and full focus on this game, it'll be very, very difficult for Leeds to, to get something from the game. But mm. it's if those two can turn up. And how do you expect the game to go in terms of the flow? It'll be interesting. I think Wolves will allow Leeds a lot of the ball in the early stages of the game. Mm. We tended to do that just almost to try and suss out the opponent, see how they're setting up and, and see where we go from there. Um, and then Wolves will slowly grow into the game in the first half. If they can, if Wolves can get an early goal, I think they can. They'll be able to defend that quite well. But la, you know, last season we just we struggled to score in the first half, full stop. 
I think we had the smallest percentage of goals in the first half out of any team in the league. Um, and we were forced to come from behind quite a lot of times as well. So mm. it will be interesting to see how it goes. Leeds have started off well. They'll have the momentum from last season, which I said earlier. Um, they've got the high morale at the moment. They've got some good players. Uh, and that Bielsa style of play, it'll be really interesting to see how this game goes. Well, Dave, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, if anyone wants to follow your stuff online, what's the best place for them to head? Well, you can check out Talking Walls. That's the, the page I run. So it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and, and, and YouTube. And like I say, just talk about walls, really. Match reviews, previews, all sorts. So yeah, check it out. Well, thanks so much again. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy the game on Monday. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks a lot. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So that was Dave Azapardi, Wolves researcher for Football Manager and founder of Talking Wolves. Joe, what did you make of that? It was, uh, it was really interesting. There was quite a few things that I took from it that... Um, that really interested me. Um, the first of which was that, in a way, they they can uh, they're almost like Man City in that they're sort of going through a, a phase of maybe changing up the way that they play. Like Dave was saying, they want to be a bit more attacking. They want to control possession a bit more. And I just wonder if that's partly the reason why they haven't got off to a flying start in, in a similar way to Man City, in that they're still figuring things out. They don't really know what their best formation is. Um, which was pretty clear from the interview with Dave. Um, so I'm wondering if Leeds can kind of exploit those holes that will be generated from that sort of, um, you know, indecision. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think Wolves now have been in the division long enough that they're no longer the sort of kooky promoted team who've done well. And the expectation now is that they sort of develop some sort of tactical identity. And um, one of the things that I found just talking to Dave, but also preparing the the tactics thread for this week, is that it's actually like Wolves tactically aren't that interesting in terms of in terms of what they're trying to do going forward. They are very very good defensively. They they're very solid defensively. They won't give any gaps. Um, their 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 structure in the back three and and then the the midfield in front of it or the back five, however you look at it, um, is exceptional you're not going to see them um, giving away big chances but the the payoff for that is that maybe when it comes to transitioning down the field they're not quite so dangerous as, as they would want to be and that that that's that was sort of what Dave was talking about when he was saying like how do you how do you retain that defensive solidity but also retain possession a little bit more don't just be a, a, um, a, a counter-attacking team um, get players in advanced positions without feeling as though you're just sort of lumping the ball long to Raul Jimenez and um, and Adama Traore or getting Adama Traore to, to use his insane dribbling to 
to great effect. Um, Tom, what, what about yourself? What, what did you make of what Dave had to say? Yeah, it was. It was I kind of picked up um, s- similar to what Joe did, and also they. I think the, the reason they're struggling this year, um, they've lost Doherty and uh, Yotta, who are like two of their probably their longest serving players. Like they came up from the championship with them, um, and whilst you say like Semedo is probably an upgrade, um, they're probably with combined with like the changing of going from like counter attacking to possession, um, and then just changing plays, it probably explains their sort of. Not bad start to the season, but just sort of bumpy, bumpy start to the season. Just best way of explaining it. How are we judging this game? It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've just had some, we've had some games where they've either been sort of we don't really need to win, so games against City and Liverpool, and then games where, to be honest, we probably had to do okay. I mean, it's easy to say that in hindsight with Sheffield United because Sheffield United are a good team, um, and that game could easily have gone either way. But with Fulham, we really had to win that game. Um, with Wolves, it's sort of a slightly different prospect, isn't it? Because they they are considered a team who should be challenging for at least Europe. Um, uh, you would think in sort of t- two seventh finish seventh placed league finishes in two years since they came up you would expect them to be sort of targeting at least the top half. Um, so how are we viewing this game, Tom? Is it, it, it's, it's not exactly must win, but it's also not exactly okay to lose either, is it? Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, this is sort of the, the games that will probably decide, it, well, assuming we, we stay up, which is a bit early to call that, but like where we finish sort of mid-table. Um, it w- Cost Wolves aren't firing on all cylinders at the moment. It would be quite nice just to get something out of the game. Um, but... It's it's one of those that if we play well and we we don't come away with anything, it's you, the fans will probably be like, oh that's that's fine. We didn't we did, gave a good account of ourselves. Um, so yeah, it, it is it is difficult, but it would be quite nice to get something out of the game. Mm. I think the fact that it's at home as well changes it up for me um, because you know away at Molyneux, you say okay if we get beat then we get beat, but just all the games at Ellen Road, you, you never want to lose, especially. You know, this isn't a a big six side as we've been hearing a lot about the big six. But um, you know, Wolves at home, you see this fixture and you think we we can do this. We can we can get a point out of it. And actually, I I think personally, I'd be a, a little bit disappointed if we did lose. Yeah, no, for sure. We've already mentioned the coronavirus angle to this. Um, do we think that it's a tendency for or the possibility that this game could just be a little bit batshit in terms of we don't know who's going to show up and we don't know who's going to show up for us either? Is we, We're obviously going to have a weakened defence, however you look at it, um, uh, at least in terms of what the starting eleven is. I'd, I'd be quite happy with Robin Koch and Pascal Strauch. Um, because I think they they were fine against Liverpool anyway, right with within reason. Um, but is is this just a sort of hit and hope game for us? And in, in the off the back of the coronavirus aspect of it, Joe? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say necessarily that it's hit and hope. I think it's something that we are just going to have to get used to. Is that players are going to be out the squad occasionally? Um, Liverpool have already had it with Mane, um, who's one of their key players, and they just had to deal with it. So I think that whether it's that Melier is out for us, which we've not really heard anything that he is going to be, but um, is a possibility, obviously. I think it's just something that we're going to have to adapt to. And, you know, I'm, I still feel exactly the same in that this is a game that we can win uh, if we play well and that we, we should be winning. How do we feel about Wolves? We've already mentioned that Wolves um, are, are sort of a team who sit back and and maybe look, look, to, look to decompress um, after being sort of defensively solid. Um, how do we feel about them? One of the things that I've found just sort of preparing a, a tactical preview is that I don't really find that much interesting to say. Now, maybe that's because I'm not um, as 
as biased towards the defensive aspects of the game as I should be. Um, but how, how are we feeling about Wolves tactically? Do we think this is going to be a game where they sit back and, and look to decompress or do you think that they will try, as as uh, Dave said, to, to sort of build possession and, um, and hold the ball a little bit more? Um, how do you feel about that, Tom? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they try and commit to this move towards possession football because we we uh, seem to be trying to uh, well if it was like when we saw the City game like just uh, transition quickly mm-hmm. um, but I f- it that style of game would probably suit Wolves as well um, because like they were in their last two seasons probably with the two, one of the best teams in the league um, attacking it that way so even if you throw in like the coronavirus aspect as well, and then two teams that love to break quickly, it could actually just be an absolute batshit game. <laughs> it's quite interesting because uh, sort of what Dave said as well um, is that they can have a tendency to just rely on Traore and Jimenez um, just making, just having moments basically, just being great. And Traore, we've obviously seen it lots in the past two seasons. In a 1v1 scenario, he's winning 90% of the time and he's getting a good ball into the box and Jimenez is great at finishing that. Um, But aside from that, tactically, there isn't anything mad um, that we'll have to deal with, such as the Sheffield United overlapping centre-backs or the um, pressing ability of Man City. I think it's going to be more keeping individual players quiet um, and if we can keep Jimenez quiet, for example, and Traore, then I think we'll have a shot. So the big tactical decision is, well, at least for Wolves, is what formation to play. Um, there's these two possibilities, the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2. And one of the impressions I got from Dave was that there's no clear indication tactically why they might choose one over the other. Um he sort of suggested that if they wanted to be more attacking, they would go for the three-four-three because it gives you uh, more width in in the attack and also gives you the chance to get an extra body forward um, in in those attacking phases. But um, you, you you then got the impression um, that against Fulham last time out, they they went with the three-five-two, um, which seems maybe the more counter-attacking defensive um, um, setup now with Fulham we know that Fulham are a possession side as well um, and so maybe maybe the, the plan there for Nuno was to sit deeper um, sort of bypass Fulham's high press and and just go long to Jimenez and, and Traore um, so maybe that's why we saw the 3-5-2 but um, the week before they they lost 4-0 to West Ham having played the 3-4-3 and um, that I think that really gives you the sense of, of just how weak the central midfield can be if you if if you don't, um, if you lose that control, if you lose that extra player that you have there in the three-five-two, um, Joe, how do you feel as though Fulham, uh, sorry, Wolves are going to approach this? How do you feel as though they'll set up of those two? I don't think there's a clear answer to this, but what's your gut? Yeah, it's, it's quite a difficult question because they probably would have seen the Man City game um, and seen what we can do to teams that come out and try and attack us, um, especially against one of the best teams uh, in in doing that in Man City. Um, so that maybe leans me towards saying they'll start with a three-five-two. Um, again, they're away from home, so maybe they would be happy with a point um, because you know they've seen what Leeds can do. They know that we're a, we're a decent side. Um, so I think, as a gut instinct, I would probably say the three-five-two. It's weird because like the three the three-five-two um, in when attacking, they've they kind of switches to a three-four-three anyway. Um, mm. Something Dave said was about if they play three five two, it would be Neves, Moutinho, 
and Dendonka, but we haven't actually seen that this season, I don't think. Where it's been, is it Neto? Hmm. That's kind of playing yeah. midfield, but he's kind of going forward anyway. So like it's a three-five-two in defence, three-four-three when they attack. Um, so I think yeah, definitely an attack. We'll definitely see them play three-four-three. It depends. It'd be interesting to see how much respect they show Leeds, whether they then defend in a three-five-two or they still or they just get with uh, Neves and Moutinho or Dendonka um, when defending. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting observation, and and then they sort of just decompressed by the the, the midfielder sort of pushing out wide um, as as well. Um, in terms of how we approach this tactically, then um, I think the big question then is how do how do Leeds exploit the system if if Wolves only go with a two man midfield? Um, Leeds, as we know, are, are, are a team who themselves actually leave the centre quite um, open a lot of the time. Um, they do a lot of their build-up play through the fullback areas and the wide areas. They do use the middle to as a sort of transitional um, space. So you'll you'll often see the ball sort of played to a, a, a central player who then finds another player on the wing um, with the sort of third man run. We see that happening a lot. Um, do you think that we will see Marcelo Bielsa try to exploit the fact that lead that Wolves only have two central midfielders if they only have two central midfielders? Um, how do we think that that that, that this will um, look tactically for Leeds in response? Uh, Joe, we'll go with you. Sorry. Um, I think that is something that Bielsa can exploit definitely. Um, something that I was thinking about earlier when Dave was mentioning that um, Traore is maybe a bit mentally uh, and positionally weaker. Um, I guess he's talking about defensively and sort of shape-wise. Um, one thing that that led me to go on to think was that Dallas can uh, can really exploit Traore in that sense. We know that Traore and Dallas are probably going to be playing in similar positions. And if Dallas can cut inside and sort of go into his midfield role at, at times, I think we'll see Traore not knowing what to do and won't be able to pick him up and we can weirdly uh, overload the midfield which isn't something that we've seen that much we normally ov- overload on the wings but um, mm. if they only play the two central midfielders then it would be quite nice to see Dallas stepping inside and sort of causing a bit of chaos in that area. There's loads of questions that I'd love to ask Marcelo Bielsa before a game like this. I mean, uh, one of the questions would be, like, how do you prepare for a game where you're not entirely sure which formation they're going to play? Do you just sort of uh, approach this in, in the same way? I mean, as, as Tom said, there, there is an overlap between the 3-4-3 and the 3-5-2. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have like two scenarios in, in murder ball, like where, where one half you play against a 3-4-3 and then the second half you play against a 3-5-2 and you just sort of hope that the, the team can sort of get their heads around it as you go. Um, I think Traore is an interesting player as well that you mentioned because Traore can play as one of the two strikers in a 3-5-2 or he can play as the outside player in a 3-5-2 in a midfield or he can play as the outside player or the wing back in a 3-4-3 um, or the outside forward in a 3-4-3. Um, and obviously Traore is a terrifying player anyway. I mean, this is a guy who's making over 10 dribbles a game at a success rate of 70%, which is which is elite. He's He probably is the best dribbler of the ball ever. Um, how do you think Leeds United will, will uh, cope with this? Because obviously we're going to have Stuart Dallas on that on that side probably. Um, how, how should Stuart Dallas think about um, defending against Traore, Tom? It does worry me the thought of Dallas against Traore. Um, that's probably the thing that scares me most on uh, for the game on Monday. I I honestly have no idea how to stop Traore, um, <laughs> and Stuart Dallas probably doesn't want to know my thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> no, you've, I'm actually completely stumped. I don't know how to stop him. <laughs> I think one way 
that we could potentially, uh, that Dallas could potentially keep him quiet is by looking to which side he normally likes to go to. This is just sort of speculation from me, but from from watching Traore a, a little bit over the past couple of seasons, it seems like he always tries to get to the byline. He'll always try and get onto his right foot and just dink a little cross in to Jimenez. So if we can get someone to sort of almost double up on him and Dallas can make sure that he doesn't get to the byline no matter what, he'll he'll have to sort of cut on onto his left, um, which he isn't so good at crossing on his left foot. If if at that point we can sort of get Phillips or the spare man to sort of come across and shield that area, then I think that could be that could be a possibility of keeping him quiet because I think if he gets to the byline, then you've had it. Then there's a great cross going in and it's incredibly dangerous from that position. I think it'll be easier if Troyer is playing on the right of like a, a midfield four because if he's playing like on the right of a three and then you've got Semedo uh, backing him up as well, yeah. then you'd think that Harrison and boy, you'd imagine Harrison on the left and Dallas would be in for a pretty rough day on that side. Mm. Yeah, as I said in my um, Yorkshire Evening Post column this week, the, the I think the trick with Traore is to just try and get him into areas where he's going to be least useful um, in terms of like his efficiency at finding opposition uh, opponent uh, teammates. Sorry, um, which is I guess easier said than done. But yeah, you're you're trying to you're trying to keep pressure on him, knowing that he's going to get around you, but forcing him out into wider areas, making sure that you're you you've got coverage so that if he does get past someone, that that, that they can then force him out wide as well. Uh, because as we as we've mentioned, um, the there's um there's an extent to which um you know wolves are dependent on that. Um, ability to dribble as a as a creative outlet for for their team, um, and that that sort of combination of of Traore and Jimenez is is an important one for them. So I think Leeds will be taking into account like the the ways in which they can make that as difficult as possible, um, and and hopefully that will stymie Wolves as a as a creative um, unit. We need to talk about formations because I think the constant the the concept of a 3-4-3 actually poses problems or a 3-5-2 in many respects poses problems for how Leeds will approach this um at least in terms of quote-unquote formations whatever you want to talk about in terms of structure we know that Leeds have a a plus one superiority at the back and a minus one inferiority at the front um so in a 3-4-3 you would expect (laughs) you would expect there to be a back four and a front two um, in a three-five-two, you would expect to have a back. F- f- let me get this right. Back three in the front one. <laughs> Am I right? No, I, I'm, I'm getting completely confused here. Well, yeah. So it's a back five. So you'd you'd want to have um, uh, your inferiority would be two. So in the three-five-two, it seems obvious that you would play like we did against Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United, right? With um with a three-five-two to match up to it. So you've got three on two, three on two um, in, at both ends, uh, and then matching up in the middle. How do you think that we would respond to a 3-4-3 where it seems to me that the obvious matchup would be to play a 4-4-2? Do you think that that will be used, Tom? And do you think we will use Rodrigo potentially as a second striker? Yeah, I think that's we'll either see, even though I think Hernandez is fit, um, but I think he'll probably stick with either Roberts or Rodrigo because he kind of gives him the option to switch between having someone a bit more in midfield or someone who can play as a second striker. In terms of the defence... I'd quite like, because there's been talk, of course, we've only got the one first team centre-back of like Cock moving over to left, Ailing to centre-back. But I think having Ailing at right-back and then like Stroik and uh, Cock, it gives you the option to switch between 
a back three and a back four so we can kind of adjust to whatever Wolves, um, whatever way Wolves set up. Yeah, I completely agree with Tom. I think it'll be nice to see Rodrigo in the number 10 slash sort of second striker role um, that we've seen him do a little bit. I really want him to start the game as well. I don't think Roberts has been too good the past couple of games and um, I think it's time for Rodrigo to get his start. Um, and the, the same really with the with the back four slash back three. I think keeping that, that same lineup in Ailing and, and Dallas uh, as the fullbacks and then Cock and Stroik, um, I think that's the best option and it gives us the most versatility to sort of adapt during the game. And what about the back three? What would that look like? I would personally like to see Ailing, Cock and Stroik, um, and then you're looking at Dallas and I guess sort of Click, Costa, sort of all rotating to kind of play in the wing back roles. Um, and then obviously going forward, Ailing can really progress and, and do his own thing. Um, and get up the pitch that's that's one of the things I really like seeing actually with Leeds's back three is I think Ailing's fantastic in that position because when we have the ball he almost plays like a regular fullback and he's not afraid just to get up the pitch and make overlapping runs and I think that can be really exciting for us. Let's talk about the wider squad selection then so ahead of the back three or four how do we see them lining up Tom? So yeah I think it'd be Phillips as usual and then probably yeah one of Rodrigo or um, Tyler Roberts, obviously, click. Um, it'd be interesting. I don't know if he'll. It's probably a bit early for Rafinha, so it'd probably be Costa and Harrison who started the season well, and then uh, Bamford up front. You'd imagine. Any differences there for you, Joe? No, I'd say exactly the same thing. Um, and actually, I think one player that I'm really excited to see is Costa, um, because I think he's got some space to exploit down Wolves's left hand side. Um, Dave was kind of saying that they've not really settled on someone there. They kind of had um, Vinegar s- sort of playing there and they had size playing there. And that's sort of an area of uncertainty for Wolves. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Costa on that right-hand side and hopefully he can uh, get some good 1v1 scenarios and sort of mm. show show his ex-teammates what he's now made of. And which players are we expecting good performances from if we are to beat Wolves, Tom? Yeah, I agree with um, Joe on Costa, and then whoever, assuming it's Stroik playing, I think he's going to have to have a, a good day to keep uh, Jimenez quiet, because I think Jimenez is a, a really good player, um, and one that, if if he keeps quiet no, normally, that means Wolves are having a bad day, because um, Cox kind of played as the, the free man, as needs to be Stroik, probably the, the one that's marking um, Jimenez, so yeah, I think... Well, whichever centre-back is, marking Jimenez will have to have a good day if we're going to uh, get something out of this game. Yeah, I'd also like to see Bamford uh, do do some do some good. Do <laughs> some like goals. Him, yeah, <laughs> put put it in the net. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's got a good opportunity. I, th- I was watching the um, the West Ham Wolves game, and there was lots of aerial faffing around from Wolves they didn't look solid at all and I actually think that um, that's something that Bamford can exploit because he's been the past few games he's got two or three decent headers every game and should really be putting him on target and um, so that's my hot take I suppose is that Bamford's going to score a headed goal. Hmm. 
I think Rodrigo will be interesting to see as well because you know we I think the games where he's played the best have been the ones where he's been able to sort of play as a second striker uh, get a little bit closer to Bamford um, we saw it happen quite well against Sheffield United but this is going to be another game where he's given the chance to support Bamford and, and look for the for the two of them to look for those channels between uh, the, the three centre-backs in a back three um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing if he has a, a, another good game his trajectory has been pretty good so far um, assuming that he he comes back from international duty intact it'd be interesting to see if he can do it from the start of the game as well because he's only mm. ever he's come on at half time in both games he's played in the league or maybe like the 60th minute yeah yeah um has he not started one game i think it was in the cup was it against hull uh, right okay, yeah, yeah, i don't yeah, think he started right, yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's either come out at half time or he came on uh against it was um against City when he scored. He, I think he came, he came on the 55th minute, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And then scored a few minutes after. In terms of how the game will flow on Saturday, um Tom, how do you think that the game will unfold? Do you think what's what's the sort of general um unfolding in the game going to look like? So I think um Dave said that like Wolves tend to spend the first start well the start of the game figuring out the opposition <clears> and that's something we see from Leeds quite a lot as well. So the first fifteen minutes I can imagine it'll be work well, be also trying to work out what Wolves are playing. Um so and then once that's figured out, I do think that there is a high chance that this just turned into a game of two teams just playing basketball. Um and it could potentially go a bit crazy. Um so yeah, well I don't know if I want that or not, but it would it would be a good game from a neutral point of view. <laughs> I think if Wolves get the first goal, then it's going to be tough for us. I think this is kind of what Dave was saying as well, that if they get 1-0 up, they could quite happily go to the 3-5-2 and just play defensively. They, we saw it against Sheffield uh, when Wolves played Sheffield United in the first game. They went 2-0 up in the first 10 minutes or something and just coasted through the rest of the game, basically. So um, I, I won't be happy if they, if they get the first goal because I think it will be just one of those games where Leeds have to break them down. Um, but on the other hand, I think if, if Leeds score first, um, it has the potential to be quite an open game and hopefully one that um, we can exploit as, as Wolves come out at us from a losing position. It does have the possibility of being the first game where teams have really sat deep against us this season, I feel. Um mm. And so it should be interesting to see how we we, we cope with that. Um, although it did sound as though Dave was saying that he feels as though they will try and come out at us a little bit more. But if we do see Wolves um, sitting back in a three-five-two, which they did against Fulham, who let's face it, I mean Fulham do try and play possession-heavy football. Um, there's the possibility that they could come out in that three-five-two, sit deep, and then just look to decompress quite quickly. Um, and so this could be the first chance that we have of, of of sort of breaking a team down from from a deep position. So I do think it's going to be a, a fascinating game on on Monday. So they have it. That's our, our preview of the of the Wolves game. Keep an eye out for our tactics thread which will be going up on twitter hopefully later if you like our content and you want to get more of it we are uh, happy to say that we have a patreon account which gives us the chance to put out bonus material and content for you guys uh, we have loads of stuff up there we have bonus podcasts we have written stuff and we also put a lot of video stuff out there i am hopefully going to get um, a jan perveda analysis piece out on there um, before the end of the week if that any of that sounds interesting to you, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash all stats on we and have a look and see what's going on over there. Maybe consider subscribing. Three people who have done just that this week are Michael Kerr, Paul Jenkinson and Jay Hart. So thank you guys for getting on board. And we'll be back on Tuesday 
with a review episode it's um quite the turnover next week i think we're playing monday and friday so um we'll we'll have a couple of podcast episodes in quick succession then but until then enjoy the game uh, and enjoy the week and we'll be back then all that remains for me to do is say thank you joe thanks very much and thank you tom cheers and we'll see you on the flip side deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.